Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I am the creator and host of the podcast. Um, the podcast just turned one, actually. So we started in February of 2019, and the podcast is all about sharing um, the stories of Australian women and girls who have started really beautiful businesses that have some sort of social impact, not-for-profit or social enterprise component. So thank you for listening if this is your first episode. Um, today, I am joined by... Andre from the Bandana Love Project, who is on the line now. So, hello to you. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Now, I was very lucky enough to be introduced to Andre by some beautiful friends of mine, Dean and Mitch, who were recently in Bali and came across your business and bought some of your products for their um, their little dog, Subi, who was at home. So, tell us all oh, about what the Bandana Love Project is. Sure. So, so yeah, I'm Andre. Um, I'm the boss babe behind the Bandana Love Project and I'm originally from Sydney in Australia and I moved to Bali two and a half years ago um, to create the Bandana Love Project. And basically the project is um, created on the basis that a bandana on a dog is a symbol of love. And when you see a dog wearing a bandana, you know that it's loved and cared for. And we want to spread um, this love, I guess, and help cats and dogs across the world that are in need. So we use the profits of the business to sterilise and vaccinate dogs and cats, mostly in developing countries, but we do some work also um, everywhere, basically anywhere and everywhere. Wow. that's So how did this idea come about? Like is your background in, in like the vet space or the animal space? What is your background and how did the, the business sort of, how was it born? Sure. So I always say it was a bit of a lifetime in the making. I've been um, a crazy animal obsessed person since I could walk basically. Mm-hmm. And that just never really um, wavered about me. And as I um, grew older, it just became stronger. And I actually studied psychology, but throughout my degree, I just had a feeling that this wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And I, I always had this feeling that I wanted to help animals. Um, and then it was in my late twenties that I traveled um, to some sort of underdeveloped countries and I saw the overpopulation of, of cats and dogs and my heart just broke mm. um, and so I think it was really from that experience and then I decided to volunteer in Bali at an animal shelter for a month and again I just saw the the devastating consequences I guess of of um, you know of of overpopulation of animals and I really had a strong feeling then that um, I wanted to devote my life to this and I really wanted to create something that could give back. Uh, in a way that was sort of sustainable and on a mass scale. And did you, were you like a a family of pets when you were like growing up? Did you have dogs and cats and all of that in your family? It's interesting that you asked that because I had a billion, I had every pet under the sun. It was literally like a zoo in my house. Oh, wow. But there was one pet I was never allowed to have and that was a dog. And people, a customer said to me, this is your deprived childhood right here. And I laughed (laughs) because it's so true. I was always desperate for a dog and I could never get one. Um, And look what I do now. I'm the crazy dog lady. So, yeah. Definitely. But I mean, I've been, I used to spend all my pocket money. I, I would go to, you know, Coles and Woolworths and I'd literally buy all these treats and toys. Like that's what I'd spend my pocket money on and come home and give it to my pets. And I, I was just always the, the crazy, crazy animal girl. 
Yeah. So when you decided that, you know, you saw what was happening in Bali in terms of the, and I haven't been to Bali, but I've seen, you know, pictures from friends and I've heard friends talk about the fact that there is a lot of stray cats and dogs walking around in the streets and the beach. When you saw that um, situation and thought, I want to do something about it, was um, the bandana idea the first idea in terms of how you would bring sort of that that um, concern or that worry for these animals to life? So it'd be interesting that you ask that actually because for a long, long time I always wanted to start a pet accessories business um, and it wasn't until, yeah, I, I sort of went travelling and then when I actually moved to Bali to start, I realised that the business that I sort of had in mind it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do because I really wanted to create something that had an impact. Um, so it was actually once I, I had arrived to Bali and I, I, you know, I really understood the situation. It was then that I created what's known today as the Bandana Love Project and the concept of, you know, the bandana being the symbol of love and spreading the love and and all of that. So it was very much. Um, a marrying, I guess, of, of, of my, my, my passion, which was to start that business, but then seeing the situation of the suffering and sort of push, bringing that together, um, which is not something I envisioned, you know, 10 years ago when I first had the idea to, to open my own pet accessories label. It was something that was really born. Okay. And so you decide that bandana is, the bandanas are the way to go. What mm-hmm. do you then do in terms of, you know, sourcing material and where are they going to be made and who's going to make them? Like talk us through where you even begin to um, start to build, you know, the business idea and examples of what you want to sell. Sure. So I, people don't believe me when I tell them this, but I moved to Bali and all I had was this idea and this passion. I, I didn't have any capital when I moved, like literally zero Mm -hmm. um, or maybe, you know, a couple of hundred dollars. And I just, I just had to hustle and I just had to start from like the bottom, you know, and just slowly, slowly, slowly build my way up. So I just got to Bali and I was like, right, let's do this. And I, I had to work really, 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 really hard. Um, mm. Yes. Source fabrics and tailors and get the quality I want and everything and everything, um, everything and anything. Sorry. So yeah, it was a matter of just throw, throw, throwing myself in the deep end. So on the website, I can see there's some beautiful bandanas, but there's also some other sort of product categories. So can you talk us through the various products that um, that you now produce and sell? Um, so yeah, of course, bandanas are our, our main um, sort of products that we that we produce, but we also make um, a lot of different dog accessories and as well as dog accessories we make human lifestyle products so I'm totally into the matching with your dog trend and um yeah and the crazy dog mom or cat mom kind of theme so (laughs) you know we've got a lot of like my dog is my therapist t-shirts and and matching with your dog kind of stuff so oh that's awesome um, yeah we've really evolved um into sort of human products as well as animal products and then we also do a few island kind of products because obviously being based in Bali we have so many beautiful handicrafts and um Mm. we bring some of that onto the website as well so Wow, they're beautiful. I'm just, I saw before there's like beautiful um, bracelets and like key rings and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and I love putting that up there because it's also supporting, you know, the local sort of Indonesians that are making these beautiful items and they often are like they're quite poor and whatever. So uh, we like to support like those families as well and, and, and give back to the community in an additional way. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love all the little dog towels. They're just so cute. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Adorable. And do all the people that you use to make those products, are they in Are they in Bali in terms of the material that uh, you source? And Yes. Yeah, they are. All my tailors are, are from Bali and I, I know them all personally. They've sort of become a bit like your family, I guess. Um, and same with, you know, all the fabric suppliers and all of that. So, I mean, there are a few fabrics that are imported into Bali, but a lot of them are also locally um, produced. Okay. And in terms of, um, you know, who was there to to help you with different ideas? Did you have, you know, contacts that you met locally or were you, were you like, did you move there with other people or were you just sort of doing all of this on your own? All of this on my own. I, I wow. really, I, I moved there just with a big, you know, passion and idea to start something. But the reality was I didn't know a single person there. Um, mm. I didn't really know anyone that knew anything about business. I didn't know anything about business. I, it was all self-taught and, um, it, it took a lot of like looking back, I'm like, wow, like it did take a lot of determination and passion. But I think that's because I just I I had this huge passion and love that that got me through all of that, you know. Um, but there were some hard times, like don't get me wrong, it was it wasn't an easy path. But mm. yeah. But it was and- pretty cool when I look back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the good things about coming out the other side of it is being able to go, oh wow, like I actually did that, you know, and, and being able to look back and be proud of what you've done and realize that, you know, through those times where you probably felt like, oh, that's, it's all too oh. difficult. Like, were there times yeah. like that? Absolutely. There were times like that. Yeah. And I'm my own worst critic as well. I'm a perfectionist and I'm hard on myself. And there were plenty of times like that. Yeah. But what it gets me through every single day is that love and passion. Um, and that always wins above, you know, anything else that's sort of negative or bringing me down or whatever. I keep fighting for that one reason, you know, um, and because I really do want to make an impact. It's a big dream of mine. Um, so, yeah, that's what gets me through all those hard times and keeps me pushing through. Just on that topic of impact, mm. you mentioned um, at the start of the episode, it's around being able to fund sterilization and vaccination. So how do you, um, so you've obviously made a, a network of, of different organizations in different countries that can provide that service with the money you're able to give them? Yeah. So, I mean, of course, predominantly at the moment, our work is in Bali because yes. um, that's where I'm mostly based. I mm. do come back between Australia and Bali um, a bit but you know predominantly I'm based in Bali because of all the production and everything so I work with um, I like often it's collaborating with other rescue organizations or rescuers mm-hmm. and doing you know mass sterilization days and stuff like that um, but other times it is one-on-one with local Indonesian people who contact me basically needing help to to fund you know the the dissexing or sterilizing whatever Mm-hmm. term that you use um, and the vaccinations because they just can't afford to pay for it so and of course word gets around that here I am um, <laughs> this person that can pay for it so I never really have a shortage of people that need help and wherever you know I am or my shop is or whatever I'm always kind of um, networking and meeting new people that need help and sterilizing street dogs and stuff like that so there's never a shortage um but yeah it's it's nice because it's something that I think as our brand goes global where we are expanding sort of to other countries and um earlier in last year in 2019 we did some rabies vaccinations in Cambodia oh wow Um, yeah and we also get to do other things like um because of the 
Australian bushfires at the moment. We've been selling um, like Australian bandanas. They've got an Australian flag on them and we're, mm-hmm. we're donating, you know, 100% of the sales to WWF Australia. So mm-hmm. in different ways we can make an impact, um, which is really exciting. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's can- incredible. Yeah, and it be else, you know, and it feels good to to be able to give back even if it's on a small scale or whatever. It just it feels good. And that's how it starts, isn't it? It's you know, it's just that momentum. And I I guess having um the the shop, the boutique there in Bali that you've got, obviously, um, it's quite a a touristy sort of area. So you've got lots of different people coming through all the time. So you're getting your business. I guess, exposed to different people all the time as opposed to it being sort of just a residential area or you've just, you know, in a town where you don't have like a a flow of tourists. Absolutely. Yeah, Bali's great for that. Mm. Um, You mentioned before about, you know, some of those harder times and and sort of second-guessing yourself or doubting and and wondering if if it's worth it. On the flip side of that, have there been moments that are are real sort of milestones or real um, key achievements that stand out that are sort of those really proud moments for you? Yeah, sure. I mean, I feel like as the business grows and develops, I'm constantly having those moments. Um, I still pinch myself. Like I still, some days I wake up and I just, I can't believe that finally, you know, at the age of 33, I've really found what I absolutely love to do, you know, Mm. and how lucky am I? I mean, so many people don't have that opportunity and, and I easily may not have gotten that opportunity if I didn't take that leap of faith. Um, So I do, I really do. And I guess some key milestones, um, I mean, getting, I have a little pop-up booth in Seminyak Village Shopping Mall and that was really huge, like, because, you know, you have to sort of pay up front a month and, and you know, a security deposit. And that was a lot of money for me back then. Yeah. Um, so I really had to hustle to, you know, get that money together and open my booth. And then, yeah, I had my boutique. Um, when I opened that, that was a big milestone. And yeah, I mean, there's always little milestones along the way as well. So it's it's super exciting. I love it. It's um and I just get excited sort of how it can grow even more and more and more. Absolutely. Um we touched on before just in terms of the fact that it it was you just at the start. And is it still just yourself or do you have a team now? Like how do you staff the different um pop-up booths and the boutique? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. I have a team now. So that's why I always say we, because I mean, it's me and my dog anyway. <laughs> I always say we, because I mean, she's always alongside me. And we're, Makes we're sense. That was the first employee. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And um, yeah, she's not the best one. Sleeps on the job a lot. And, you know. <laughs> but super <laughs> but cute. Of course. But yeah, no, I do. I have a really great team um, of staff. So they're in the stores and I've got staff in the office that are doing the quality checking and the packaging and um, the distribution. And yeah, I really am so lucky and we're all like a big family. So I'm blessed in that department. Mm. And are they people that have uh, expats or they're both or a bit of a combination? For now, actually, it's um, locals. So I mean, I really love to employ locals because it's Mm. giving back you know, to the community. Um, I may in the future hire expats, mm. um, you know, if, if I need them. But at the moment, I mean, the Indonesians, they're so, they're really beautiful people and they're really hardworking and, you know, they really appreciate, I guess, um, having like a job and a job that pays well compared to a lot of other jobs mm. um, in Bali. So, yeah, for, for now I'm happy with Indonesians, but I would never, like in the future, I'm sure as it gets bigger and bigger, um, I will definitely look at, you know, hiring expats expats into more specialized roles 
Yeah. Um, but for now, yeah, we're, the, we're a team of um, the, everyone's Indonesian except for me. <laughs> In terms of the rescue industry um, or the animal welfare industry, since working, um, you know, as, as such a huge part of that industry now, what have you learned about that world and the and the space that you're now supporting? Yeah, sure. I mean, Bali's lucky in the sense that there's a lot of expats living there and um, doing really amazing things. So we we are really lucky in Bali that there's a lot of like, you know, active um, dog rescuers and stuff like that and great organisations. So, you know, but they're still really underfunded and, and inundated, um, which is really sad to see. But I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think things are changing in Bali and, um, you know, locals are being educated and I think mm. the situation is improving. I just hope in other parts of the world it can, it can follow, I guess, and ideally, you know, um, there to be no suffering, I guess, and overpopulation of dogs and cats. That's that's what we all want. Um, mm. Yeah. So and is it a, a heavily um, regulated industry or is it more, um, you know, sort of each country sets its own parameters and its own um, sort of regulations about the animal welfare space? Yeah. And especially in sort of underdeveloped countries, there yeah. may be certain um, regulations, but they're certainly not enforced. So it is a bit of a problem. I mean, um, yeah, it, it's not sort of as legal it's not like it is in Australia that's for sure, sure. totally a different ball game um, but I think something really important about that that I've learned from my time there is I think a lot of westerns come over to these countries and they they finger point and they blame and they like all negative kind of um you know in a blaming mentality mm. but I think it's really important to understand that a lot of these people like they they, they don't mean to do the wrong thing and they do actually like love their pets. It's a different kind of love to say how we love our pets, but it doesn't mean that they, you know, they're heartless and they don't care. Like a lot of these people, they do care. They just don't have the education to understand why dissexing your, your cat or dog is actually a kind thing to do, you know, and they don't understand about vaccinations and they often don't have the income to, to pay for these things. So mm. I find that's really important as well. Like, um, you know, rather than finger point, pointing and blaming, it's kind of like we want to be inclusive and together, you know, be culturally sensitive and, and together I think that mentality helps a lot more than, you know, the negative stuff. So, yeah, and it's and it's an opportunity to educate, and I guess, and not to assume that people are um, doing the wrong thing because they have bad intentions. It might just be that there's a lack of resources or education exactly. or um, resources to be able to um, do, do what is the the very best for for the animals. It's more, I yeah. guess, an opportunity to educate as opposed to yeah, finger pointing and just assuming that people are doing something dodgy or have bad intentions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think as well, it's really important to like know your boundaries. Like I often, um, I'll get my, the vets that we work with, I often get them to speak to like local Indonesians in my area or whatever that I, I want to help because I just feel like if I don't, I speak a little bit of Indonesian, but mm -hmm. I speak enough to, to really, you know, explain to them the, the benefits. And I just feel like it's, they really respect, you know, it coming from a vet that speaks their language because all the vets in Bali are Indonesian. Um, so they're just little things like that like being really culturally respectful and sensitive um and just something else on that note quickly um something I really love about the concept of my project which is a bandana on a dog's a symbol of love um I find it really important that um locals you know in countries like Bali um they, they see like our a lot of the expats purchasing you know the bandanas and putting it on their dogs and the the locals see that and it's really beautiful to watch them 
you know, their big smiles and them to kind of see, I guess, mm. expats treating dogs like family. And I'm not saying that ex- expats and Westerners do everything right because I feel like there's a lot of things that we should learn, you know, from, from yes. the, the institutions about. Um, but I feel in terms of, you know, looking after our animals and caring for, for cats and dogs, it's something that Westerners do really well generally. Um, so, yeah, I really love that too, I guess. Um, you know, seeing the Indonesians and I, I always have Indonesians contacting me wanting to buy bandanas and, you know, I often kind of like make the price as low as I can because I know um, a lot of the time my price points, you know, it's just too high for them. So I kind yes. of find a way to, to still like include them. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really beautiful to see. Yeah, and like you said, it's a great opportunity to start local there and then to spread that to spread that word, you know, as far and wide as it can be and having a, a tourist market obviously is going to help that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of the team that you've got now and and the business, what does sort of a normal day look like for you when you're when you're in Bali? I find like as the business grows, my job more and more and more is about delegations. Like when I first started this business, I was working. I mean, I still work a lot of hours, but mm. I was like on the road, dropping off fabrics and picking up things. And like, I was just crazy, like the crazy Aussie, like driving everywhere in Bali, like a mad woman. Yeah. Um, so, and that was really hard, like physically. Um, but as the business grows and grows, it's, I'm, I'm really watching more and more that it's about delegations and I've got sort of people that are filling those roles, but it's still like me that's kind of driving everything, I guess, every day. So yeah. my work is really moving more and more online rather mm-hmm. than the people going here, going there. So, I mean, for me, usually it's what well, it always starts with a coffee. That's of like course. Stand- <laughs> my favorite my that's universal. And- I know. And oh my gosh, if I don't have coffee, that's a big problem for, for everyone. But yeah, so I basically sit down uh, with my coffee and I, I start delegating. That's how I start my day. Um, and I, I still do things like I always go to my shops and visit them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I am still sourcing new fabrics and on the road a bit because I also like to show my staff that I'm like actively involved. I don't want to be the boss that's just sitting on my laptop in the air conditioning. Of course. You know, life ever um I like to like work hard with them so um yeah but I am sort of noticing as the business grows it's about delegations more than running around like a mad woman which is good I'm well that's it. it's good to have a business model where you know it isn't totally reliant on you and you can delegate because I'm sure there's only things that you can do and there's bits that you can definitely outsource and one thing I think I've you know it's been a common thing with a lot of the guests on the show is around being able to ask for help and and it's not always about you know being in control and having all the information to yourself and and really just keeping everything really close to your chest it's just about being able to let go because it is your baby like it is your idea and it's obviously something you like a lot of the guests care a lot a lot about the their business ideas and now their business so it's just that bit about being able to outsource or or put their hand up and go look this bit is not really my lane I'm not very good at this so can I can I potentially outsource? And that it's hard for us, I think. You're right. You're so spot on. I can super relate to that. Um, and especially, yeah, if you're a perfectionist and a bit of a control freak mm-hmm. and all those things, it is really hard. Um, yeah. But something that I sort of have learned and would really recommend to anyone listening that might find themselves in a um, in a similar position, it's all about training. Like yeah. if can train your staff exactly how you want them to do it then they will they'll learn and and that's you know what will be done so like quality checking is a big one for me I'm a bit of a quality Nazi (laughs) 
I really, really, I can't stand bad quality. And um, of course, when I started the business, I was the one quality checking. And then mm. our, our quantities just got way too big. There was, there's no way I would ever be able to quality check now. And so that's something I really had to teach my my staff that are responsible for that. I had to show them you know, in great detail, I guess, um, the way that we need to quality check. And now they've learned it and they do an awesome job. So I think um, a lot of the time it really is about like training your staff well, not saying that my staff or me or, you know, the whole thing is perfect. There's a lot of um, systems that we still need to kind of um, perfect and, and mm. get a bit more stable. But um, but there are some things that work really well and that's a good feeling. What are um, some of the things that make your life a little bit easier in the business, apart from coffee, of course, um, yeah, like in terms that. of, yeah, in terms of apps that you really love or systems or, um, you know, business. Dog, but- <laughs> your dog, true. Yes, that as well. <laughs> oh my God. She's like, yeah, she's my number one. Without yeah. her, we'll be in big trouble. Um, but yeah, okay. So non, um, non-living items. <laughs> non-barking items <laughs> yeah um I would say like I use Google Drive a lot that's mm-hmm. um something that I'm a bit addicted to yeah I also need my iPhone 24 7 like that's mm. I do a lot of stuff on my phone um so that's like just my iPhone in general I would mm-hmm. say is a big like part of my business um yeah. hmm, what else just trying to think I use Google Calendar I know when we were organizing to do the interview, you mentioned Mm -hmm. around, you know, doing it when you were back in Australia because of the, um, you know, like the internet reliability in Bali, how much do things like that have, you know, I think when we live here in Australia, we just, you know, a a bad internet day is probably nothing compared to what you experienced there. Like how much does that become like a factor into your day or or your, um, your staff's day? It's not too bad, luckily. It's, um, I mean, of course, it's not quite as good as it is here, but it's not too bad. So really, I don't like, I don't see that as a, I don't find any effect. Mm. Like from, I mean, maybe, yeah, if we're doing a a call like this potentially, but like day-to-day stuff, it's fine. Okay. What do you do to um, look after yourself so that you can continue to, you know, manage your staff, keep the business running and keep sort of your passion and your motivation and your love for for the project going every day? You know, this is a really, really, really important question. It's something that I struggled with a lot in the last two and a half years because I really, really, really had to push myself um, to get this business to where it is today, you know, like starting from absolute zero and not having business experience or or knowledge I really sort of had to hustle and work and Mm. I I I worked seven days a week um for probably I'd say two years I've only just in the last six months um really noticing that like I need to start taking a day off so I I really try and take Sundays off I still am working on my phone but I like ban myself from my laptop Mm -hmm. um so I, I think like scheduling time off is super important but I also understand when you're beginning a business that is really 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 hard to do but um yeah even if it is you know a couple of hours at the end of the day or a day off a week um that is super important and just little things as well like I found when I started the business I neglected so much about my life like I I gave up my life essentially doing this you know and starting this I I really didn't have a, a life until about maybe six years ago I started to get my life back and just simple things like 
you know, burning incense or burning a beautiful candle or buying flowers for my room and stuff like that just fell to the wayside because it was just four seven like go 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 um so now I'm really starting to focus on that again and making like my space you know because I actually live in my office with all my stock so oh wow my stuff everywhere and I have to have my bedroom which is my little sanctuary and then I've got my huge stock room and the staff area and yeah so I've kind of um tried to sort of do that, like make my bedroom really beautiful and have that as like my little safe space. Yeah. So it can be like that little sanctuary, like you said. Yeah. 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 But it's not easy. Like I'm, I'm still struggling to, mm. to find that balance. Um, even when I'm in Australia and I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously working online every day, but there's always so much to do. It's mm. like, even when I'm not in Bali doing like any of the physical stuff, it's just constant, the social media and the website and mm. just everything. The orders coming through. Work. Yeah. Yeah, I could work all day, every day and delegating, you know, to my staff in Bali. and Yeah, but I mean, I, it's good that I love what I do because it doesn't feel like work. I The, the hours fly by, you know, mm. um, which I take as a good thing because I'm not sitting there watching the clock. It's I, I can't believe when the day's finished. I'm like, oh, my God, where did all the hours go? Um, yeah. yeah, so I guess I'm really lucky in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. What's coming up for you that you're sort of excited about? Are there any projects or like new products or anything like that that you're coming that's coming up um, for you and the team that you know you're really excited about at the moment? So we have heaps of new um, prints and mm-hmm. products that are in the making. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I guess yeah, the biggest thing I'm really excited about right now is actually just scaling the business. Um, I I, I guess my, my strategy when I started the business was to really make it like strong on the ground in Bali and really established in Bali. And then from there, you know, my plan was to sort of take it online and take it global and and grow it bigger and bigger. And we're really at that stage now where we're established in Bali and um, I'm excited about like scaling this, you know, and trying to make it, it bigger so that every day across the world where we're sterilizing and and vaccinating dogs and cats. Like that's kind of my really, really big dream. Um, So I'm excited about that. Um, Yeah, just where I can take this. And, and of course, there's so many adorable new prints that we've got coming in and all that kind of stuff. So every day Mm. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, so, get your dog yeah. to model them all oh my god I know and I'm not with her at the moment so I'm missing her like crazy oh, but yeah. I'll next week so she'll try on all the new stuff and we'll do photo shoots and stuff like that so oh um, that's gorgeous yeah yeah super cool if people are listening and thinking, you know, I've always wanted to start something, can I feel really passionate about that? But, you know, I, I don't even know where to begin um, or they're, you know, going through those stages that we all do around, you know, doubting whether we should even bother or, or you know, all that kind of self-doubt, self-talk stuff that happens. Are there any sort of key advi- pieces of advice or key lessons that you've learned that you would pass on to somebody who was, you know, where you were that all that time ago? Yeah, I mean it's a tricky one because everybody has their own way of of getting to an end goal. Um, I think for me, I have had this idea for so many years, um, as in the pet accessories. I wanted to start a pet accessories business, and um, procrastination and perfectionism really got me. And it got to the point where, like, I just decided one day, pretty much, like, I'm going to Bali and I'm going to 100% focus on this because when I'm in Sydney, I there's too much other stuff going on when I'm working, all that kind of stuff. So for me, the best strategy was to throw myself in the deep end. Um, 
So, but I'm not saying that that's right for everybody. So, um, but I guess the overall message would be just start somewhere. Like, even if you are perfectionist and things don't feel perfect right at the beginning, that's okay. Like put something out there and then you'll evolve anyway. Things are constantly changing and improving and evolving. So evolving, sorry. So don't let that stop you. Um, And all that like negative self-talk and uh, I just think if you're really passionate about something, you just need to follow your heart and just do it. And passion always wins. That's the thing. Um, you'll always get there in the end if you've got that passion. It's a big sacrifice, but if you've got the passion and the drive, you'll get there. Absolutely. If people are wanting to find out some more information about um, your business and some order some products, hopefully, where is the best place for them to find you? Sure. So we have a website, which is www.thebandanaloveproject.com. Um, and you can order. We ship internationally from our website. And we also have Instagram. Um, so our handle is at the bandana love dot project. Okay. We've got Facebook. Um, yeah. And I guess if, if anyone's in Bali as well, you can visit us at our little pop-up booth in Seminyak Village Shopping Mall. And then we've got our um, boutique in Chengu. Changu, and then we have about 50 stockists across the island in wow in, I know it's a lot so that's incredible um, yeah it keeps me busy that's for sure yeah um, and absolutely got, um, yeah and then we've got some international wholesalers as well so people can always contact us and we can like give them those lists and yeah that's incredible. Well, um, as Andre said, the website there is the bandana love and you can scroll through all the products and also jump through to um, the social media from that platform. So thank you so much, uh, Andre, for coming on the show today. Um, it was really great to learn a bit more about, about the work that you're doing and where that money from the sale of the products goes. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me.